Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. My favorite plant to grow in my yard is the fruit tree because you plant it once and you get fruit for decades. If you have ever been curious on the best ways to be successful in growing fruit trees, today is your lucky day. Why? Because my team and I have compiled our best interviews and videos in one place to assist you in growing your own toe-tingling peaches and awesome apples right out your front or back door. Plus, as an added bonus, we've included an in-depth guide to successfully growing fruit trees in your yard. To get access to this information, it's free by the way, just go to urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. That's urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Carrie Fox of Green Sister Gardens to talk about her experience with spin farming and seed saving. Carrie grew up on an organic farm in a small Saskatchewan community where organic wasn't cool or trendy. After feeling like an outcast and perceiving her parents as poor, she decided to pursue a more profitable career. After getting her electrician journey person license, she ran an electrical contracting business for eight years and made good money doing this. However, she felt her business was contributing to the destruction of the planet. Knowing she needed a change and having recently been introduced to permaculture, she took a leap of faith and sold her business to search for a new lifestyle that would help her heal the planet. Carrie took a series of permaculture-based workshops over the next couple of years and eventually found herself in a spin farming class. Having found what she was looking for, she immediately returned home with a crazy idea to farm in the city. The idea got around and she started her new business with veggies in eight different yards in return for a weekly box of vegetables, and she sold the rest at the local farmer's market. Now at the end of her fifth growing season, she works one-third of an acre, including seven outdoor garden spaces, one hoop house-style greenhouse, and an indoor microgreen operation, 
offers a salad box subscription that delivers to nine restaurants as well as weekly farmers markets. Welcome to the show today, Carrie. Thanks, Greg. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Well, it's it feels like a path that I've been on my whole life. Like I, I feel like I came from you know, a certain grounded lifestyle. Mm -hmm. My parents were fairly self-sufficient. We grew our own food, that kind of thing. But it was, it was such like, I just felt like such an outcast that I had to run from it, which, Mm -hmm. you know, in a, in a sense, I wish I hadn't done because I could be a lot further ahead now, but I guess that's what I needed in order to, and I see it helps now because now I know how to relate to people more because I went and tried to live the lifestyle that everyone else is kind of immersed in. So now that I've come back to this, I think I'm able to communicate the message more clearly because I understand where other people are coming from. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's positive in that sense. But but really in my core, I feel like that was always me, that I was just pretending to be someone else for a while just to fit in. So <laughs> Yeah, I heard yeah, that. So it, feels, <laughs> yeah, it feels good to come back to, you know, my truth and just who I really am. Yeah. Yeah. So you became an electrician and did that for a while. It must've been somewhat fulfilling for you. It was. Yeah. Like it, I think I initially got into it, you know, the money was good and just that inner rebel in me was just like, well, girls aren't supposed to be electricians. So I better go do this and show everybody (laughs) that I can kind of thing. Right. Right. I mean, and, and, and that's good. It's, it's helpful now because I mean, I need that strength to push through and do what I'm doing. So I, I think everything happens, happens for a reason, but it it didn't feel fulfilling. Like once I got my journeyman's and I was doing it, it was like, oh, okay, I thought it would feel a lot better and mm-hmm. a lot more fulfilling once I accomplished so many things, but it didn't. It, it was, you know, everybody wants more, like more hot tubs and more additions on their house and a bigger service so they can use more power. And I felt that that was just kind of slowly killing me inside. So yeah. I knew that I had to, had to find something else. Do something different. So, yeah. I, I can I can feel you on that one because in 2001 I was running a software company and I got to a place where I it's like this isn't supporting who I am in the world and the software negatively impacts the planet so I, I can feel you on that one so tell me about that moment that you had that realization I basically woke up one morning and I was laying in bed dreading going to work and mm. so it was just kind of a wake up call I was like so I'm going to do this for the rest of my life because I'm at that point where, you know, you're supposed to be at, you have the, the house and the business and the, everything's going the way it, you know, presumably should be. Right. But I was so deeply unhappy. And that, mm-hmm. and so then I just really started to look into why am I unhappy and what do I need to do to change it? And it, it like once I started digging into it, it became quite obvious because it was, you know, there's things that I was reading about and permaculture and different things that had caught my eye you know, in the past Mm -hmm. that I was like, Oh, that's why, because that's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, that I'm way more interested in that than, you know, wiring people's, you know, brand new houses and and that kind of thing. Yeah. So for all you listeners out there, I want to kind of underline, you said you were dreading going to work. So that's, that's... I was, and it's a problem that so many other people have and you just keep pushing through it. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, then that's where that's where we should start getting a clue. Absolutely. You know, so you use the word permaculture, and I want to kind of dive into that a little bit uh, before we get into the spin farming piece of this. Uh, 
tell me about your permaculture experience and define permaculture for us, would you? Well, permaculture, the way I see it, is basically a design system for sustainable living. Mm -hmm. So it takes all the elements of your life and it it just teaches you a way to design it so that it's sustainable. So Mm -hmm. it's everything from solar power to rain harvesting to organic gardening to, I don't even know, like there's, there's such a, it's such a broad umbrella term just for everything, you know, about your life that can be done in a sustainable way. Cool. And something, and how that fits together. Yeah. So something sparked in your life when you did your permaculture courses and like that, what, what was that? Well, I mean, it started out as, um, I have a younger sister and she, her and I think a lot alike, and she actually started farming this year as well. Oh, nice. But she had always kind of like kept saying the word and I wasn't like, I was so busy wrapped up in my other life that I wasn't really paying attention. So I just started to pay a little bit of attention and we went to a music festival and, and uh, Verge Permaculture from Calgary was there and they had a display, right? So, it was, you know, just, it wasn't really a big deal, but it was like mm-hmm. I went and kind of flipped through their pictures and it was just like, oh, wow, like that's, that's great, right? And then, of course, once I started to make all these changes, I remembered that. And so I went back and I, I took a variety of courses. Some of them they had facilitated, some of them they had taught. And it just, I don't know, I just opened up my, it was like that aha moment. Like, yeah. oh my God, like you could just see like, all the negative areas of my life and of, you know, society in general, how it just made it make more sense in a way. Cause mm-hmm. it just, I think it's when you see that contrast, right? That's how oh, we yeah. see things. So then yeah. I was seeing the contrast of how it could be different and it was just, yeah, it was baffling and exciting and, mm-hmm. you know, it really got me fired up because I was like, okay, there is actually something I can do to make a difference. Right. Well, for me, I remember the moment in 19, 19- 91 when the a permaculture design course flyer ended up in my mailbox to this day I don't know how it ended up there but I remember opening up the flyer standing at the mailbox and I walked in I was married at the time I walked into Michelle and I said Michelle I'm doing this course will you do it with me and we actually did it together and it is a, it's a life-changing event mm-hmm. it really is so so then fast forward a few years and you, you run into something called spin farming and you know i've seen it i've seen it a few times over the past couple of years and i'm curious tell us about what it is well it's a it's a system of farming and it 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 just makes it hmm what's the best way to describe it the way i see it is as a system and it shows you an efficient way of farming in the city so that you can actually make a profit out of it hmm. so it's it's a way like I, in my current situation, I own a house in the city and, you know, I have, I'm a single mom of two kids and like, this is my life right now. And uh-huh. I couldn't figure out a way to make the leap from doing this to maybe like owning a big piece of land or a piece of land outside the city and start farming that way. And I didn't like, my parents were organic farmers, but they had tractors and they did it like as conventional organic farmers. And I knew that I didn't want to do it that way. Like mm-hmm. I, I have no interest in, in big machinery and I just, you know, that kind of was pushing me away. I didn't want to do it that way. So when I saw this, it's like a small version of farming where you have small tools and you don't need a huge overhead. There isn't a huge amount of overhead to get started. Right. It's, it's fairly simple and it's, and it, and it just makes sense to me too. If you're farming in the city, it's a lot more visible to everybody and it's a lot more effective way of educating people because mm. they see it. It's right in their backyards. And I, and I 
I'm really glad that I did it that way because I see how that's, you know, I, I live in an area where we're surrounded by industrial farming. Everybody's a farmer, so right. it's not a new thing. But, but the way that I'm doing it is making people like ask why, like what, you know, because I've been offered now, I've been offered land outside the city a lot and you know just to use for free even and i don't want it because i i want to do it the way that i'm doing so it creates that dialogue and that opportunity to have conversations with people about why 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 would i do this when presumably it seems so much easier to just have a huge piece of land and grow whatever i want Mm -hmm. so i really like that aspect of it cool and do do you happen to know what spin stands for uh small plot intensive ah okay good yeah, so it's taking, you know, each of my rows is two feet wide by 25 feet long. So it's it's systemized in that I know, you know, what my production is going to be off of that. I know uh-huh. how many of these beds I can fit, in, you know, in a thousand square feet or, you know, whatever the yard is. So it's, it's just a way of kind of building it block by block, but making it efficient enough to mm-hmm. earn an income at. When, and when you said block by block, you meant on the property block by block of, of garden space or do you mean block by block in the city because you're working on other people's property well I guess I, I, I think you can yeah it I, I can mean both I guess both, for me yeah. I meant like you know for the if I take someone's backyard and it's 500 square feet you know that's my block and I know how many beds I can fit in there mm-hmm. you know to maximize the use of the space or if it's a thousand square feet or if it's bigger you know it's just a way of of making it doesn't matter what size or shape it is, but I can, you know, fit these beds in it and, and make it work the best way possible for me. Right. So in your bio, I read now at the end of your fifth growing season, by the way, congratulations that you're at the end of your fifth growing season. Thanks. It feels like a milestone. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It says you work a third of an acre, including seven outdoor garden spaces, a hoop house, indoor microgreen operation. Tell us, tell us what your farm looks like. You know where where it's at, what it looks like. Give us an idea. Okay, so I have I have my seven plots. They're grouped in three different groups. Um, the the biggest areas of land I have are actually closest to my house, which is great. It makes it you yeah. know more efficient for transportation in between. I think it's really important to have them grouped together, and that's something that I actually need to improve on a bit because some of my plots are you know, across the city. So it's, it's mm. so I'm not using, like I'm using the bicycles for everything that's close to my house, but I'm finding that I don't have enough time in order to bike to those ones farther away. So it's, it's you know, it's always an involving, you know, kind of process. Right. So I have them grouped around the city. My hoop house is a little bit far away. So um, actually this year it's kind of nice because I just purchased my first uh, like blank lot like it's just an open lot doesn't oh. have a house or anything on it and it's within half a block of my house oh so congratulations take... yes it's pretty huge because you know that just sets it up so i can put permanent structures on it right you know like when you're using someone else's land you have to be very careful because yep. you know things change they change their mind you change your mind or you know life happens so right. you can't can't really set up permanent stuff so this is really exciting because now i can have my greenhouse closer to me and i can you know, I have plans for a passive solar greenhouse and different things like that, so mm-hmm. it, it makes more sense. And then I have um, inside my house, my basement is built. The entire basement is a grow up. Oh, basically. right. I have. That's where your yeah, microgreens are. At. That's for the microgreens. Yeah. yeah. So I do grow some outside during the summer, and then I continue to grow them all year round for restaurants and mm-hmm. stuff. So, so I have that that going on in my basement. Cool. So that's and that that way you can produce all year round. 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's things like, I always look at this as a step from A to B. Like, ideally, um, I don't feel that, you know, growing greens under fluorescent lights in my basement is like, you know, woo, I made it. And that's, you know, the goal I want to achieve. But this is like step A to B. And yeah, I I eventually want to have it. So I have a passive solar greenhouse. So all those microgreens are growing without the use of so much energy. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to be you know, realistic and like, okay, I, I, I don't know how to take the leap from here to there because I don't have the money or resources. But if I do it slowly, right? yeah, I can totally get there do and it do it the way that I really want. Yeah, exactly. Do it slowly and don't get in debt. Yeah, don't get in debt. It's so huge. It's such an important piece oh, of the puzzle. Big time, big time, big time. Have you ever heard of a wallapini? I have, yeah. Uh, I'm actually like considering on this new piece of land, like I think it'd be like now I could actually, I didn't have space like in the yard and house that I currently own, right. you know, to put one. But yeah, I think they're fascinating. So for those of you who don't know what a wallapini is, it's, it's a basically a, an underground greenhouse. So you actually car, carve out a hole in the ground and put a greenhouse cover over it. And then the ground around it becomes the insulation for it. So that's, yeah. th- those are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you make your connections for... Uh, you know, getting access to new land and how do you build that community piece? Basically just by talking to everyone I know. I'm mm-hmm. always like, I'm always talking about what I'm doing. I'm excited about it. And it comes naturally because I really am excited about it. So I'm always like telling people these crazy ideas and not, I never hold back. Like I'm not like worried about what they'll think or if they think it's a good idea or not, because I just feel for me, this is my truth, and I really believe in it. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about it all the time. So then there's some people that, you know, think it's crazy and aren't interested. But the other people that are, they pay attention, and then they start talking to their friends about it. Like, oh, my God, look, this is what this girl is doing. And, <laughs> you know, and it seems like the word travels fast that way because it is odd for my area to be farming like this. So it does get people talking. Right. So that's basically I've never advertised for land. Oh, nice. Not that I'm saying you shouldn't, but it's just been, you know, yeah, you haven't had to. It has just kind of spread the word around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where are you at? I'm in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. So I'm on the prairies. Canada. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, Canada. Not too far from the border. I'm probably oh. about an hour and a half drive from the U.S. border. I got it. And how big? How big is the community that you live in? Uh, the city that I live in is 35,000 people. Right, and cool. then I have. Um, which is, I'm finding for the restaurants, um, because of the nature of my business, like the restaurants that are interested in are the higher end restaurants that have a chef because oh, yes. the stuff I'm growing, you know, it, it they can get cheaper stuff shipped in, but mine tastes better. So I have to appeal to, you know, just a certain type. So I'm finding that in my city, there isn't enough restaurants to, to totally support what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I do, um, there's, there's another bigger city with a couple hundred thousand people that's within half an hour oh, wow. of Musha okay. called Regina. And so I do, I sell to a lot of restaurants there. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So for those of you that are interested in looking at starting to grow food, uh, that's the, I, I actually grew food 20 years ago. And the place I started was I, I found a couple of chefs. I made friends with them. I asked them what they wanted and I started growing for them. Uh, and it sounds to me like, that's pretty much one of the ways you're doing it. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, it's, it's the area of my business that I've been growing the most in the last couple of years. And it's, it's starting to, to be lucrative. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think there's a change in people's attitudes. So 
having local food at a restaurant is actually a marketing tool for them as well. Oh yeah. And, and yeah, the chefs that I'm talking to, I know that they care about taste and they care about, you know, some of them really do care about the environment and they're conscious about that too. But you know, the other ones might not be so worried about our planet, but they are like interested in, you know, the taste of things and how fresh it is. And really like if, if I'm harvesting stuff today and I'm going to, you know, deliver it to them tomorrow. You can't beat that. You can't get that anywhere else. So I have that edge. Yeah. Especially up in a colder climate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, because down here in Phoenix, we can grow all year round. Uh, What's your growing? Right. So it's feasible to. Yeah. What's your growing season like up there? Well, I've been extending it every year. Basically, I start planting in April and I'm still currently um, harvesting some stuff out of the garden. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is, though, like the, the other people in my community that grow gardens, they don't start until the end of May, and they're, they've all wrapped up their gardens in September. Oh. And I think, it, and I think it's just a, it's a mindset. Like It's like that's what our grandparents did. So, yeah. you know, that's just the way it's done. They plant once in the spring, and, you know, they harvest in the fall, and that's it. But, but I'm kind of finding that... Um, you know, with the use of really low-tech tools, like just a, a fabric row cover, you know, extends my season by mm-hmm. a month on either side. And then, of course, if I add, you know, greenhouses and a solar uh, or a passive solar greenhouse stuff that, you know, I can definitely extend that a lot further. Right. But right, that's, right, right, right. that's where we're at. So about 20 weeks is, you know, kind of our average building season here. Yeah. So doing something like this has to take some significant planning. How do you plan and schedule this type of farming since it's not all, not all in one place and, you know, there's there's a, a bit of a, you know, a temporal nature of it? Well, it's something that's developed over the last five years. I, that was one of my biggest struggles initially was just keeping everything straight because it is like it's in different areas. It's, but I'm slowly, you know, starting to use spreadsheets a little more, although I resisted the computer at first, but I'm you know, kind of succumbing to that and using it a little bit more than I used to. But yeah, the planning and, and even the scheduling out your day, you know, like I'm getting fairly meticulous at, you know, this is what I do on Monday, you know, things have to be happen at a certain, certain day of the week and, you know, scheduling what I'm going to do during the day. And I have two kids, so it's not like oh, yeah. I can just focus on the business and go with that. So I, I feel that my life gets a little crazy sometimes. So I have <laughs> to, it is a lot of planning. And I did take, um, take a course a couple of years ago and it was, it was called Enrich Life, but basically it was about balancing and planning things like in your personal life and oh, your business right. in a way that you can, you can manage. So yeah. I, I was struggling a lot before I did that. I needed, yeah, I needed a little extra help just to, yeah. just to help with the planning part. Yeah, exactly. Are your kids old enough to be able to help yet or? Um, my daughter's 14, so oh. she begrudgingly helps me sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She, it's interesting because she complains about it and she doesn't really want to be out in the garden and doing that kind of stuff. But then when she is, she's like the fastest person I've ever worked with. Like, so it's interesting how she's picking up on this stuff, even though maybe she's pretending that she's not. <laughs> so it's encouraged. Like sometimes I'm discouraged by her, but you know, then she comes out and helps and I'm like, Oh, you are paying attention. So yeah. it's, it's really nice that way. And then my son is five. So he's out with me in the garden a lot. He doesn't mm-hmm. do too much in him in regards to working but i'll tell you what there's as far as i'm concerned these days and i'm 55 and i don't have kids but one of the best things parents can do and 
coming from a non-parent, okay, <laughs> is, <laughs> is, is instill that, you know, kind of that work ethic in them early. I, you know, when yeah. I was a kid, I had a paper out and, you know, that was back in the seventies and, you know, I, I did those kinds of things. So good for you for working, working with both your kids like that. Mm-hmm. And you, I do think that's important. It's, some of, it's one of the things I resented about my parents is they made me work all the time. <laughs> but yeah, now that it's come full circle, it's like, oh, thankfully they did well, that, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So is it just you and, and uh, your daughter working it or do you have other people that are helping? I have other people that are helping. Um, this past season I had a full-time person, a gal that was with me all the time, and then I had um, just you know a couple part-time people that would come in periodically mm-hmm. when I needed extra help. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So you're kind of spreading the love that way too. Yeah. And it's great because the the girl that helped me last year, she's helped me for three summers in a row. She was a high school student when she started. Oh. And, uh, but now she's, she's totally went on and, and she's, you know, I can tell it influenced her a lot and she's looking for a career, you know, in something that's a little more holistic and, Mm -hmm. you know, caring for the planet and that kind of thing. So it's, it's really positive that you can, influence people like that like yeah I needed the help and she came and she's done so much for me but at the same time I can see how she learned and benefited from it as well yeah nice good for you good for you so if we stand here in 2016 and look out of the future what what are your plans for this business going into the future well I actually now that my season's winding down I've been you know doing a lot of thinking and you know just kind of writing stuff down, trying to figure out what that looks like. I'm not entirely sure. I feel that education is going to become a big part of my business, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure in what context or how that will all develop. But, you know, for the for the moment, I see it kind of progressing in the same way that it is now. I'm going to, you know, develop some more energy efficient, I guess is where I should use, ener- energy efficient systems mm-hmm. to improve, like, the existing business that I have, but, you know, just take it to the next level. So I'm not using as much power. So I'm using the bicycle more. So, you know, all that kind of stuff. But in the future, I do see it becoming more of a educational tool in order to teach people and empower them to be growing their own food. Because I mean, this isn't just about me making money. This is about something so much bigger. So I know that I needed to start here in order to learn it, but I do feel it'll be, you know, empowering people to take control of their food sources. Nice. So when I did a search for you on the internet, one of the pictures that came up was you on a bike with a huge trailer on the bike. Tell us about that. (laughs) Well, this is influenced by Curtis Stone, and I I originally took the spin farming course from Curtis, and so he he does a lot of bicycle uh, transportation with his business. So it just makes sense to me, you know? Like, why do we have to drive everywhere? Like, I live in a smaller city and even if it's a big city I don't think that makes a big difference but instead of like driving to go to the gym so I can stay in shape and then you know working like why why keep those two things separate like you know like Mm -hmm. I just think that we can do so much more of that it's not that everyone has to be hauling all their stuff around by bike but even something as simple as like biking to work instead of driving like it just it makes so much sense to me like why are we you know we need to stay in shape you know there's this big movement around you know health and and that kind of thing growing. So why can't we just combine these two? It's, it's just, it seems so simple and it just makes sense to me. So yeah, when I first heard about it, I was like, well, of course, you know, like, yeah, why are we driving around everywhere? It's not necessary. Like yeah. I'm going to 
drive around, do all my garden work, and then I'm going to drive to the gym so I can run on the treadmill for half hour. Like, <laughs> exactly. It's ridiculous, exactly. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Plus, yeah, I was going to say, plus it makes a great workout, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, it really does. So tell me, what changes are you seeing in your community as a result of this crazy idea of yours and of spins? What What are you seeing out there? Well, it's so positive, actually. I'm seeing so much change, and I don't want to take credit for it and say it's only because I'm doing this. I think there is an overall, you know, kind of consciousness that's starting to happen, and people are waking up. But yes, but I see, and I'm like, going to I'm going to stop you here for a moment. Please do take credit for some of it, because it's <laughs> those of us out there that are planting the seeds that is turning this movement into a tidal wave. So. Yeah. I'm going to acknowledge and thank you for doing the work you're doing because this is what's making that happen. So go ahead. I'm sorry, but I had to say that. Okay. Well, thanks for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) I am seeing gardens popping up more in my community, a lot more, and front yard gardens, which I think is so exciting. Like I, you know, I've done that. I've done some front yard stuff. And and then when, you know, it just, it, it just signifies to me that people are like, waking up and changing their minds like yeah why do we have that lawn in the front yard like it's ridiculous like you know you have a nice sunny spot so grow a garden so there's that and there's with our farmers market has grown tremendously in the last five years there's so many more people that are concerned with their health and and you know looking for something that's more wholesome there's a lot more people interested in gardening like we have a community gardens and a, a good friend of mine is the facilitator for them so i've worked a lot with her and yeah there's just a growing interest in in saving seeds and growing your food and eating healthy food so it's it is really positive and this is in the prairies like saskatchewan i would say out of all the provinces in canada we're the farthest behind so to see Mm -hmm. it here is is actually a really big deal right you know yeah, so you mentioned seed saving, and one of the other things I found when I Googled you was a flyer for CD Sunday, and most people probably don't know what CD Sunday is because we don't do it here in the States, and it's one of those epic things that you guys do in Canada. Can you tell us about them? Well, it's basically a day that I organize at the beginning of our season before anyone starts. Like, because I, I, we have to start a lot of plants indoors here in order, like tomatoes and peppers and stuff, so mm-hmm. it's... Our CD Sunday is held in March before anybody starts any of that. And it's a seed swap, so people bring seeds in that they've saved. We trade them. I bring in some local vendors that sell heirloom and open-pollinated type seeds. Mm-hmm. So it's just a way to basically like get those seeds out into the community. And it starts a lot of conversations, and it, you know, it's a good educational thing without actually holding a class because people come and they just start talking about their gardens and they're so excited and then they talk to other people that are excited and you know it just kind of creates this whole movement of of seeds and gardening so it's yeah it's been very positive and it's it's grown I think we've kind of had to double our space every year since I started so it's a lot more people are getting interested nice and this is something that that's done all across Canada right it is yeah yeah it is so you just you just go to a website and say, hey, I want to do one of these, and you sign up and you do it? How does that work? Um, not even that. I just found it online, and they you know, kind of just talked about like how they did it. And then in Regina, the city that's close to me, I'd went to one the year before I started. Uh-huh. And so they had started there, and I was like, well, of course we can start it here. It, it, isn't even, it doesn't even have to be as complicated as signing up for anything or doing this. It's just you know, find a space 
get the word out and, you know, kind of tell people what you're doing and everybody gathers there and it, yeah, it's just kind of naturally been just progressing from there. And then the nice, the spinoff to that is, you know, we're finding like the end of the first one I did because people bring their seeds to trade. Some Uh of them get traded and then there was some left over. So what we did with those leftover seeds is we started a seed library at our public library. Yeah. So it's a way people can go and actually check out seeds as if you were checking out a book. And then uh, the theory is you, you grow it and then you save the seeds from your plant and you return a few of them. So it, like a live seed bank in a way sweet 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 well congratulations for doing that as well thanks (sighs) absolutely so i want to shift on you and i want you to talk about a time you failed how you overcame that failure and what you learned from it (laughs) there's so many (laughs) but remember it's not about the failure it's about what we learned from it I was just going to say, you know, how important it is for us to talk about our failures mm-hmm. because, you know, when I first started this, I only heard the good stuff and like how much you could do and, you you know, how things could work so smoothly. And then when I started, they totally didn't. And I was just like, what am I doing wrong? Like, is it just me? Like, how come I'm failing so bad at this and everybody else, you know, is so successful? But it's not that. It's just that everyone talks about the successes and not all the fa- failures along the way because, that's honestly where I've learned the most in my business is mm-hmm. from the failures, like hands down. So it's, it is important to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. And hence the reason I asked the question. Yeah, exactly. So, so go- my biggest failure, uh-huh. I would say, is starting out too big. Mm. So I had those eight gardens and I couldn't, it was too much. I couldn't maintain them. And I like, you know, they were full of weeds and I was like just struggling because I was really struggling to learn to grow in the way that I was growing. Cause I mean, yes, I have gardening experience from when I was younger, but when you're just doing what your parents tell you is a lot different than totally taking over and doing it my way. And I was doing a little bit different than I had learned when I was younger too. So it was too much to learn. And so what ended up happening was some of the plots that I, there was like some of them I still have today, the ones that I started out with, because mm-hmm. it was people that, you know, we're just patient and understanding and knew that I was learning, but some of them were like, you know, just saw this big mess that I was making in their yard and was like, <laughs> oh no, this is not for me, right? And right. so they didn't want me to continue there the next year, not realizing that, yeah, like I'm I'm just learning and I'm trying my best. They just saw it as, uh, oh, she doesn't care and she's just totally making a mess of the yard. So, so that like starting out small is so important, mm-hmm. I think. And I, and I kind of had been told that a little bit, but I was just, I was too excited about it and I was like, oh no, just jump in feet first, which is usually how I deal with things. I should maybe think about that, but you know, kind of figure out how to swim as you go. So that's, that was definitely my biggest mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we get so excited. I've done that too. You, you know, you jump in and you take on too much and then something's got to fall away until you figure, yeah. So yeah, until you figure it out. Yeah, Exactly. exactly. So what do you consider your biggest success? Well, I think probably the biggest success is, is the educational portion of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like how it's, and probably hmm, how I've been building community as I go. Mm -hmm. Like I felt for a long time I didn't belong in Moose Jaw and I was, I felt I was kind of stuck here because I had kids and I didn't want to, you know, move them away from their dad, that kind of thing. So I felt I was stuck until I started doing this because it it just 
people are attracted, like like-minded people are attracted to it, right? So oh, yeah. now I find that I have this very strong community of like-minded people here. And it just felt like, I feel like, you know, the momentum is kind of, it's like the snowball effect, you know, you get one person involved and then you get another person involved yeah. and pretty soon they're talking to everyone. So I think that's probably the big, big success is just educating people and bringing them together and building this strong community of, of like-minded people that are all interested in, and they might be for different reasons. Some of them are in it for growing their food for health. Some of mm-hmm. them are in it because they want to save the planet. So, you know, but we all have that common thread and we're all like in it together and it it's yeah. I feel it's probably the biggest thing. Beautiful. So what drives you? I don't know. That's a really good question. I think it's, you know, like that intuition or there's something deep inside of me that knows what's right. And, you know, it's hard to explain. It's just, you know, I feel like a fire is burning inside me and I just like, I can't ignore it. And it just feels like the right thing to do. You know, every time I make the right decision and I'm following what I really believe in it, it's, feels good you know it, it doesn't when you go the other way you, you can just intuitively feel it in yourself that yeah it doesn't feel right it doesn't make you happy and this you know although there's so many problems in the world that scare the crap out of me all the time mm-hmm. at least you know I know I'm making a difference and I know that this is this is the right direction for me to be going yeah. so it's not it, yeah it's just something inside me that just telling me that yeah this is the right thing to be doing nice Good for you for listening because so many people, and this has been a thread through our entire conversation that you've listened, but so many people don't. Yeah. So really, yeah. really good for you for listening. So I'm all about education and I have to know, is there one or maybe two books that have been significant for you in this process? There is. The first book that I uh, was introduced to was Spin Farming. It's by Wally Satchwich and mm-hmm. Roxanne Christensen. So he, he developed the system of farming in the city. And, you know, that's where I get my uh, two foot by 25 foot beds. And, you know, the book is all laid out. So it shows you like what your yield should be, like how, how close you seed things together, what it would cost to seed a bed, like all this really business kind of type stuff uh-huh. that it, it's important because I mean, I think that's something that I should stress too, is that if you're going to be successful at farming, you need to watch your numbers. You know, I see a lot of farmers that they're really good at growing food and, and, and doing that. But if you don't watch the numbers and watch the financial end of your business, it's not going to be successful. So this one is so valuable to me because I, and I use it, I still use it as a reference book. I always go back to it and, you know, when I'm planting. And then the second book is The Urban Farmer by Curtis Stone. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is Curtis started out following the spin farming method too and now he's kind of gone on to develop his own his own system which includes a lot of the spin farming techniques but he's just kind of taken it to the next level which I find yeah he's very organized and insightful so I use I use his book a lot nice cool 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 so what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners I think what I would tell people is just start I think it's crucial. I think it's overwhelming when you look at all the problems we're facing and like feel like you're not making a difference and and that kind of thing. But if you just start at one thing, it leads to something else and it leads to something else. So I think that's the best advice that I could give anybody is just start. Just start doing something because it, it, it'll lead to something else. And, you know, before you know it, five years later, you know, 
You're in your fifth season of growing vegetables. That's right. (laughs) Well, congratulations. And thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Carrie. It has been a treat. Oh, thanks for giving me the opportunity. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? I have a website. It's Mm greensistergardens.com. So, yeah, you can message me on there. You can find out more about, you know, kind of how I run my business and, and the things that we do. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And if you want to go to the show notes page in the show, it's urbanfarm.org backslash Kerry. That's K-E-R-I. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. My favorite plant to grow in my yard is the fruit tree because you plant it once and you get fruit for decades. If you have ever been curious on the best ways to be successful in growing fruit trees, today is your lucky day. Why? Because my team and I have compiled our best interviews and videos in one place to assist you in growing your own toe-tingling peaches and awesome apples right out your front or back door. Plus, as an added bonus, we've included an in-depth guide to successfully growing fruit trees in your yard. To get access to this information, it's free by the way, just go to urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. That's urbanorchard.org or text FRUIT to 33444. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.